So um, what's the deal with uh, this uh, church and uh, spending so much time on uh, celebrating Mother's Day? I thought church was about uh, worshiping God. What is it with this church? They don't even have a pulpit here. <laughs> I had the explanation in the first service. Steve forgot to bring me a pulpit. And so he said in the second service, well, you need it. I said, no, we got by without it. We'll get by again. But what is the deal with Mother's Day? Um, it's not even a Christian holiday, like um, Christmas or um, Easter. Why would we spend so much time celebrating Mother's Day? <laughs> because um, doing that is part of worshiping God. Worshiping God involves um, obedience uh, to God. And you remember that God said, <laughs> honor your father and your mother, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Matter of fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, in the book of Exodus, the, in, the order is reversed just to show that equal attention and responsibility is given. Honor your father and your mother, honor your mother and your father. It is part of the worship of God as we take responsibility to honor. And that's why we do it in church. That's why it's important, because we are doing what God has commanded us to do. For the uh, children present and those that have left, their responsibility towards their mom is to um, obey, respect, and appreciate. Those of us who have got a little bit older, our responsibility is not necessarily to obey, we've moved out of the house but um, to respect, to appreciate, and ultimately care for. Um, we uh, show respect uh, for our mom by um, um, remembering her, including her in our um, family activities, making sure that she's part of our life. We appreciate her. I hear sometimes moms will say, oh, he never calls. <laughs> I never hear from him. I never hear from her. I have a suggestion if you've got children on a clue to remind you to phone your mom. Every time you get frustrated with your own kids, phone your mom. And remind her of how much you appreciate the fact that she handled you. That's part of showing respect, and appreciation. Some of us are remembering our mom who has passed away. For me, as this is the first time in 68 years that I have not had the opportunity of phoning uh, my mom. Uh, in the month of May of last year, uh, she died and went to, to heaven. But I continue to honor her. How do I honor her? I honor her by carrying out and living out the values that she placed in me. Most of what I know about serving God by uh, serving others, I learned from my mom. Not necessarily in uh, words, but as it was lived out uh, in uh, her life. Some of us uh, present here in a congregation of this size I know for a fact that some of you uh, 
may not have had the privilege of having the type of mom that I had. And maybe um, the greatest thing that you could do in relationship to your mom is uh, simply uh, to uh, forgive her. Actually, the gift of forgiveness is the gift you give yourself because it frees you up from all kinds of types of baggage as you release forgiveness um, to others. As we gather together for family uh, celebration, um, we honor our mom. We um, focus upon um, family. Mother's Day is not always a happy experience for everyone. It's a challenge. Maybe we as a church family need to focus upon those for a moment or two. To pray for them. The single moms who have a tremendous challenge in uh, this life. The um, childless. I don't know if there has been a change in the environment or what it is or it was always this way and people are just talking about it now. But um, the issues of fertility and young couples not being able to have children seems to be widespread. And this is a difficult day uh, for them. Um, widows. We are instructed in Scripture to uh, take special attention and care um, for the widows. And uh, as Rebecca prayed earlier, um, there are families that are going through different, different kinds of challenges and problems in our day, and we need to focus upon them. Family is important to God. That's why it needs to be important to us. The Bible says that um, God puts the lonely, uh, the disenfranchised, into families. There are three institutions that God has given to us to uh, serve him. The family, human government, and the church. God gave the family first, and so it may be of the greatest importance. Matter of fact... Um, as the family goes, so goes society. And if you haven't noticed lately, our society is in a mess. Largely because families are in a mess. In the 46 years of ministry that I have enjoyed, that, is the prob that probably is the greatest and most significant change that I have seen over those years the disintegration of the family. The family is important to God. In the book of Genesis, God gives to us the structure uh, for the family. God uh, says that uh, he wants the family to be strong because that will influence uh, society. The family is important to God, and it needs to be important uh, to us. Family is the place where... Um, God intends it to be a safe environment for the development of image bearers. It is the safe environment where um, self-esteem is established. Because I come to understand myself on the basis of how others see me. 
So in a home where I am accepted, I am loved, I am affirmed, self-esteem is established. But in a home where I am criticized, put down, and unaccepted, significant damage is done. The home is important uh, to God. And consequently, in the Scripture, He gives to us, uh, I think, uh, four R's to help us in the whole challenge of parenting. And the first one comes out of uh, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. I don't want to um, spoil this verse uh, for you or uh, rob you of how you have used this verse in the past. Maybe you have taken this verse as a promise. It may be that your children or your, one of your children uh, is away from the Lord at the present time, and you're laying hold upon this verse as a promise. I've trained that child. I'm just trusting that someday he will come back to the Lord. Um, I'll talk about that in a moment. That's a legitimate prayer. But uh, this is a proverb. It's not a promise. If you look at a few verses around uh, uh, that same uh, verse that we've looked at, verse 4, humility and fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. Well, maybe. Look at verse 11. He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. <laughs> These are proverbs. What they're saying is that if you do A, B, and C, D will probably follow. A proverb is a probability. It's most likely. Here is a good way to follow. Here's a good way to do what God wants you to do. And uh, the result probably, be, will, probably will be as you anticipated and as the Scripture says. But it's not a promise. Just because you have gracious words, not too many of you are friends with kings. It's not a promise. So training up a child in the way he shall go is not a promise. Even if it was a promise, it wouldn't be such a great promise. Because what it says is train up a child in the way he shall go. When he's old, matter of fact, it says when he's got a beard, uh, he will not depart from it. It doesn't say that he will come back to the Lord. It doesn't say that he will come to the Lord. It says he won't depart uh, from it. The word train up a child in the way that he should go is an interesting um, understanding that comes from um, the original language. For it says in the original language, train up a child according to his mouth. That's kind of interesting. It really says according to his palate. And when a child is born, especially in the olden days, and the uh, midwife would take the responsibility of helping with the birth of that child, what the midwife would often do is take some date juice, put it on her finger, and then place it in the mouth and the palate of the child. So it develops a taste. It develops a desire to suck and consequently to be able to to eat. That's the idea of, Psalm, of Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. 
Train up a child according to its palate, according to its taste. What this proverb is saying is that God has built into all of us as part of our creation certain bents, certain appetites, certain characteristics. And your responsibility as parents is to find out what those characteristics are in your child and encourage them, develop them along those lines. You need to find out uh, what the book is on your children. Psalm 139 is a great psalm that talks about uh, the omnipresence of God. In Psalm 139, it says, where can I flee from your spirit? I I can't get away from you, God. If I go to the heights, you're there. If I go into the depths, you're there. If I go towards the rising of the sun, the extremities of the east, you're there. If I go to the depths and the width and the, uh, the length of the sea, Mediterranean Sea, to the west, as the author was speaking, behold you there. I can't get away from God. The God who is there is here. And the God who is here and there is everywhere. Everywhere that God is, all of God is. He is the omnipresent God. He is also the omniscient God. That psalm says that uh, God knows the intricacies of us even before we were born. In our mother's womb, God knew us and he was forming us. And he has a book on us. He has a book that talks about our preferences, our tendencies, the way we normally do things. I don't know if you know, but there happens to be a rather significant um, hockey playoff going on at the present time. Your pastor and I have a different view on the outcome. (laughs) Your pastor has a problem. And I, quite frankly, think the deacons should be dealing with this, uh, this issue in this church. Because the Boston Bruins have discovered the book on our goalie, James Reimer. He's called a butterfly goalie, which means that uh, he has a propensity to drop to his knees, and he sends his pads out to the side like butterfly wings, So he protects the lower part of the net. And what Boston have discovered is because of the book on him, they're going upstairs where they keep the peanut butter. Uh, They are going upstairs over his glove and over his blocker because they know the book on him is that he goes down and so they need to go up. What I'm saying is that each one of you has a propensity to do things a certain way. And so do your children. And so you are to train up your children according to their taste, according to their bent, according to the book. Which means that um, you need to get to know your children. You need to uh, read about children. You need to spend time with your children. You can't treat them all the same. Each child is different. So you need to understand the intricacies of that particular child and train them up according 
to their taste according to that bent. So um, don't treat them all the same. And um, don't say to them, why can't you be like your sister? Because the answer is, I'm not my sister. Each child is different. You need to invest time and energy into those children. And the emphasis there is on the importance of reinforcement. You are reinforcing the bent, the book, the characteristic that that child has inborn into them in the creative powers of God. The importance of reinforcement. Then there's the importance of regeneration. You need to be careful to understand what I have just said and not hear what I didn't say. What I did not say and what Proverbs 22 did, did not say is that all children are good and all they have in them is this divine spark that needs to be fanned into life. No, what the Bible says is that God has placed into them some characteristics and tendencies that you need to discover and encourage. But it's important that you focus upon regeneration. Because the Bible describes us as being sinners by nature and sinners by choice. Psalm 51 says that we're born in iniquity. Psalm uh, 58 uh, says that uh, not only are we born in iniquity, but from our mother's womb, we are liars. We don't need just a little cleanup. We need a new experience of the Spirit of God in our lives. And that's what your children need. The issue is not a generation gap, it's a regeneration gap. Children need to come to know the Lord and have God the Holy Spirit do a work in them so that they become partakers of the divine nature. They're born with a sinful nature and they need to have the experience of being born again into the family of God. It's important that they be regenerated. Can I read for you what uh, the Minnesota Crime Commission said about children? This is not some fundamentalist, right-wing preacher that's describing children. This is the Minnesota Crime Commission who brought a report. Every baby starts off like a little savage. He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toys, his uncle's watch, or whatever. Deny him these and he seized with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. He's dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, but all children are born delinquent. If permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy each want, each child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. 
That's the Minnesota Crime Commission that gave that report. Now, I wouldn't suggest on Mother's Day that some of you go down and wait for those mothers picking up those beautiful little babies in the nursery and starting out. Do you know what the Minnesota Crime Report talks about? No, let them find out by themselves. And it won't take too long. They will find out that we are, by nature, sinful, selfish. And our society is just filled with that selfishness and self-centeredness. As a result, we have all kinds of problems and difficulties in our world. Train up a child in the way he should go. Train it. The word train means to um, narrow in, focus in. Help that child see the benefits of coming to know the Lord. All of us want for our children to come to know the Lord and to accept the values that are biblical. But we can't control that. There is never a family dedication at our church that I don't usually say something along this line. You are not responsible as parents for the decisions that your children make. But you are responsible for the environment in which those decisions are made. In other words, uh, children are going to make their decisions. Some of them are going to choose to follow the Lord. Others are going to not choose to follow the Lord. You are not responsible for those decisions. You are responsible for the environment in which they make those decisions. It uh, is good mental health to be able to separate our desires from our goals. A desire is something that we want, but we really don't have any control over it. A goal is something that we can take responsibility for and do something about. So our desire is that our children would come to know the Lord. But we can't control that. Our goal needs to be to make sure that our home and our lives reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ in such a way that our children would see the reasonableness, the value of trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, so the clue will be um, you pray for your desires and you work towards your goals. Don't give up on your children. They may be away from the Lord. Ecclesiastes uh, uh, tells us that uh, in chapter 11, verse 6, that uh, we should continue to sow seed. Sow the seed in the morning and also sow seed in the evening. For you do not know which will bring forth a crop, whether it be the morning or the evening, or perhaps both will produce a crop. Some of you have sown seed long ago with your children. And for some reason or another, they're away from the Lord and not interested in following him. Continue to sow seed. Continue to pray. Pray for your desires. Work towards uh, your goal. You don't know whether it be the seed that was sown early in their life or perhaps seed that be sown more recently. Perhaps both will germinate and bring forth a crop. It's important that we reinforce those characteristics that God has placed in that child 
that we come to understand who that child is. It's also important that we understand the necessity of regeneration, absolute necessity for that child to come to know the Lord if he is also going to enjoy eternal life but also enjoy the quality of life that God intends for him to have on this earth. Reinforcement, regeneration, and reproof. In uh, Proverbs uh, 29 and verse uh, 15, we have uh, these words that um, are uh, reemphasized again in uh, the New Testament. In, but in uh, Proverbs 29, verse 15, the rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. In the New Testament, uh, in the book of Ephesians, it says that we have responsibility for the nurture and admonition of our children. So there's the dual emphasis. There's rebuke, but there's also uh, admonition. There is confrontation and admonition. Your responsibility as parents is to parent to be in charge, to correct whenever possible the behavior of your children. You're, you are not to be their friend when they're growing up. I, I was saying in the earlier service that uh, uh, we're in the happy position. We have three adults, uh, three adult children, uh, and uh, we are in the happy position of being friends with them. It wasn't always that way. I said this morning that uh, we have uh, two daughters and a boy in the middle. If we would have had the boy first, we only would have had one child. <laughs> I was uh, confronted by a couple of people after the service, and they said, I know your son. He's now in the educational system working for the Durham Board in the area of special education. And they said, we didn't know when they first uh, met him that he was a Christian, but we watched the way he handled the, especially the boys uh, in the school system. We thought, there's something unusual about that kid. And he is a deacon in our church, so hang in. Uh, but your responsibility as those kids are growing up is not to be their friend. You're to be their parent. Correct them. Uh, give to them correction. Give to them and confront them. But we need also to balance it out with admonition. Unfortunately, a lot of our parenting is done out of uh, tiredness and stress as was illustrated on the platform uh, this morning. Don't do your parenting out of your own personal frustration and anger. Ask God for strength and the ability to admonish, encourage, to help. Because those kids are having all kinds of stress. They come to you and they've got the weird question, they come look like they're angry at you, and all they're doing is using you as a test. They're looking for answers. And if you can graciously give them the answers, then they can use that with the kids that are giving them a rough time at school. Hang in there. Continue to encourage and uh, admonish and affirm uh, your children. The importance of uh, reinforcement, the importance of uh, regeneration, the importance of reproof, but also the importance of release. In Psalm 
127, it says, children are a heritage of the Lord, which means that children belong to the Lord. They're not yours. They're just with you for a very short period of time. They belong to the Lord. Give them back to the Lord and do it early. In a wedding ceremony, I conducted a wedding ceremony at our church yesterday, uh, usually we are reminded that the parents are giving away their children at the time of marriage. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, longtime pastor and uh, seminary professor, had a great line about uh, giving away his uh, daughter. He said, for the father of the bride to give away his daughter is like owning a priceless Stradivarius and handing it over to a gorilla. I would not suggest you use that line uh, if you're going to be giving away your uh, daughter, but uh, that was his line. And uh, the idea is that um, children don't belong to us. We give them back uh, to God. That's, um, and the sooner we do that, the better. So uh, those ladies that have acknowledged uh, pregnancy here uh, this morning... I would suggest that you do it early. Soon as your couple find out you're, you're expecting, give that child to God. It saves a lot of heartache because you don't know what health issues, what struggles, difficulties that child will have. The child belongs to God. He can do whatever he wants with that child. <laughs> Who knows, but he might call that child to some far-off land to serve him. And he's way away from you. He doesn't belong to you. That child belongs to God. Psalm 127 says that children belong to the Lord. They're like uh, arrows in a quiver. <laughs> and uh, those arrows that are in the quiver are there for protection. But they're there for such a short period of time. Your responsibility with those arrows is to straighten them, polish them, sharpen them, aim them, and then put them in the bowl and release them to the purposes of God. You don't own them. He does. And he trusts you with a tremendous responsibility of shaping and polishing them. Parenting is a little bit like uh, coaching. Um, I don't know if you've ever coached a t-ball team. <laughs> That's an experience. Or coached uh, a young hockey team. If you're going to do some coaching, what you have to do is, first thing, establish authority. Who's in charge? Second thing, you develop some practices. And you call them together for practice, and you go over and over and over again the same thing so that it becomes nature to them to do that particular thing. And then you're the coach on the bench during the game. And uh, so uh, you send them into the activity. You observe them. When they come back to the bench, you encourage them. When they come back to the bench, sometimes you might need to correct them. And then you send them back into the game. And then some of you uh, that have the same color hair as I do are now no longer doing the hands-on coaching. You're in the stands, cheering them on, 
encouraging them in the midst of life's challenges. Reinforce those characteristics that God has put in that child. Train them, fence them into uh, the value of regeneration and coming to know the Lord as personal Savior. Make that attractive in your home and in your sphere of influence. Do your correction with some encouragement and then release them to the purposes of God. So uh, what's your take, ho take home today? <laughs> what's your assignment? Uh, well, the seniors are probably saying, well, that was good. I, I'm all done with parenting. I don't need to worry about that. Oh, wait a minute. You're part of the family of God here. You do have a responsibility, and I would suggest that your take home may be to talk to Kelvin, talk to Rebecca, find out the name of a single mom. this church. Find out the name of one or more of her children. I'm not suggesting that you fund his or her education, although that would be welcome. But what I am suggesting is that as you get to know the name of that child and pray for that child, you look for them every Sunday. Welcome them. Say you're glad to see them. Invest just a little bit of time in their life. All the singles that are here say, well, I, I don't have any family responsibility. Wait a minute, you do have family responsibility. You're part of the family here. May I suggest that uh, you get involved in the children's ministry, the youth ministry of uh, this church? This is family. Parents have a tremendous take-home today. Tremendous responsibility that we would be overwhelmed by were it not for the sufficient grace of God who says, as your days, so shall your strength be. God brings enough strength into each day so that we can do what he wants us uh, to do. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about that which is unknown. Don't use up the strength that God has given to you for today worrying about tomorrow. Live one day at a time. I don't know what your take-home is today. But I knew, do know that you're going to make a choice before you leave this place. And I would suggest that today you, you choose to do what Jesus asks you to do today.